Hello, hello, Annie Trenders. We are back with another episode of the Anime Trending Podcast. I'm your host today, Mehdi, and I am joined by Gracie and Nick slash Nico. Go ahead and introduce yourselves. Hello, uh, like Mehdi said, I am Gracie, hopping back and forth between this podcast and Girl Taku. Nice to be back. And I'm Nick and or Nico, depending on what time of day and what I feel like being called today. Um, First name Nick, last name Nico, middle name and or. And or, (laughs) That sounds like a really cool, uh, like, He-Man character, actually. And or! (laughs) (laughs) Continue, Betty. Do do not not lead us astray now. (laughs) Yeah, if we go any farther, then I'm going to do the entire podcast in a decent skeletor impression and i just don't have that in me today yeah but we're, but i mean it's it is kind of convenient because i mean netflix just released that masters of the universe show although I, I did hear it got panned like universally but which is kind of sad because it actually oh did it i i need to watch it for myself that was kind of what i had heard from like the initial reviews i read of it which is kind of sad considering like how fire like the initial trailer was um yeah I'm very curious myself. I didn't hear much about it since release, and I guess that's because it was mostly kind of eh responses, but nothing like outrageously negative to garner that much attention. Mm-hmm. But there there are a lot of things that are universally loved that I don't care for, and a lot of things that are hated that I love, which is basically what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> um, <laughs> we don't have any like specific deep dive topic we're just going to follow up on our thoughts on a lot of the seasonal anime right now um if you didn't already hear our first impressions podcast for summer 2021 be sure to go ahead and do that that's last episode yeah you guys have uh gracie you haven't talked much you have any more lingering thoughts you know how's life before we just dive right into the meat um i my life i guess is well, fine and dandy. I've been working steadily on my rewrite for my novel, so there's that, but I guess that's all I got to share, so. <laughs> yeah, just casual mention, she's writing a novel. I, I hope no, that becomes... No, I've already written it, it's rewriting the first one. <laughs> oh, 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 my bad. <laughs> I really hope that becomes, like, a running gag in this show, just like, hey, Gracie, how's that novel? Well, I hope not. I want to get it published eventually, but okay, let's just continue. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so this is where we normally would do the chart check section, which we are proceeding with, but rather than it being kind of like a rapid fire um, quick run through, that's just going to be our our main segment tonight. So without further ado, um, I'm actually not going to start with number 10, but going to start with the honorable mention number 11. Because this anime moved up five spots since last week. Sorry, real quick. This is the week four top anime charts published on August 8th, 2021. Just so we know what we're looking at. Uh, number 11 jumped up five spots since last week. And uh, that would be Madhouse's Sunny Boy. And I know Nick's going to have a lot to say about that one. I have a lot to say, and I also am, like, so confused that I don't know if I have anything meaty to say about the show other than it. I enjoy it. It is very confusing to the point where I have to write down my thoughts every week to figure out what's going on in the show or where it's going. Because right now, it's the perfect show. Because in my head, I've written out what it could be that's, like, the perfect moments and story beats 
not just in your head, but on our site, in fact. I'm, I'm going to do the shameless plug for him, <laughs> where he, Nick's ramblings on Sunny Boy are being published uh, weekly, I want to say. Uh, the first you know, entry was the two episodes combined, but episode three is up right now. By the time you're listening to this, episode four might also be up, just as a uh, like review speculative discussion. Mm-hmm. So if you're also having a hard time parsing Sunny Boy, God knows I am, then you can read our thoughts. Nick's thoughts, that is. <laughs> Gracie, you're keeping up with it too, right? Yeah, I am. I'm in the, I'm in like the boat of, I like where it's going. I am curious on where it's going to go, but it's also, it hasn't given me a punch yet for me to like feel completely emotionally invested. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, I think there's kind of like a, so what aspect where I don't know if there's like a stake feeling or if it kind of feels like the show is trying to re-explore different facets of society in different ways because like going from like episode to episode we have like a bunch of trap kids on an island they don't know what the rules are even how to get home and they're kind of bound basically by the island rules that kind of form like they're kind of like building their own society as they go and like there's a lot of commentary on like present day stuff i guess from episode three it's like you have one character who um can generate anything with the amazon which i love that power name by the way <laughs> the amazon, amazon <laughs> yeah. cat, cat being, cats can deliver anything to her and the catch is that if if you try to do like try to take items from other students on the island, there's like a mystical force that will cause their items to burn. However, when you have a character that could literally generate anything they want on that island, it kind of creates a power imbalance. And there's kind of like there's other areas, I think, in this island life that they're getting accustomed to where different characters powers end up creating this power vacuum um, and in a lot of ways, the, the rules kind of make it equal. So it's like this weird, like, how would I, like, I almost want to call it like fully Cooley, like in a way where it really much is trying to explore these kids' formative life on this island with the superpowers. There's even a baseball episode, episode four. So that was like the, the closest um, symbol. Every anime worth its salt has a baseball episode. Every, yeah, exactly. Bad. Every time it's like that whole feeling of everyone's got to figure out how to hit a baseball <laughs> I think for me, for me right now, it's the concept is intriguing for me, but uh, the the issue is that I tend to bond with stories based on the characters because I am an emotional person. I'm a really uh, and I'm a really uh, people person and I take bonds really seriously, including bonds with characters and so my issue right now is there isn't a particular character that I've really bonded with. So because of that, I am watching to see what happens, but I'm not watching because I care about what would happen to the characters. Does that make sense? Yeah, kind of. And I, I don't know if the plot is necessarily the strongest point because, again, it's kind of like everything feels like it's a metaphor for something else um, as I'm watching yeah. it. So I don't, I never really take everything at base value. Um, so I wouldn't actually put the plot as like the highest point for the show. I think that the where it does shine, I mean, I think the animation is incredible. Um, I think the Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Where I've never seen an anime use... Um, 
the color black in such an interesting way where it's like voids. There's some areas where um, they'll use black to kind of illustrate how someone is kind of being forming in a way. Like it's this emptiness that they end up using throughout the shot and like they end up using this motif frequently throughout um, the visuals. And interesting enough, like it feels like I'm watching like a science Saru, like Yuasa kind of show, but it's not because it's like completely different cast. Um, I, I will out myself for a bit. I had thought it was science Saru, but I'm pretty sure you are to blame for that. I think you made that comparison early on and I just thought like, oh, this is science Saru. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's like, the, it's a character designs with the people where I'm like, I can't tell. Is this like science Saru meets like a Satoshi Kone character design and like. The show just gets me thinking. I don't know. Because, like, with other other notable Satoshi Kon show, um, one of the very few in his career was uh, Paranoia Agent, where that's a kind of show where it's not necessarily, like, a violent show, but it's it's just got that kind of psychological um, weight throughout the show where it kind of gives that tension and ends up leaving me thinking about the episode and themes every time I've watched that show. I feel like Sunny Boy's in that yeah. same same realm where it's like there's different like commentaries on okay even though this is fantasy, there's this this moment is happening right now um, somewhere in the world. I think you hit the nail on the head there. Where, like Gracie said, it's not very character driven. I don't feel very attached to a specific character or like you know the bond between a few characters. And it's not exactly plot-driven either, because it kind of is, but the story isn't, like, very fast-paced or very clear in the first place. I think it's, like, setting and idea-driven. And the more I think about it, I could imagine the show pulling off the strengths it has while shifting the character focus or, like, point of view every episode. Like, if we didn't follow the same protagonist or couple characters but just totally different like new people on the island each episode and through that still got like similar themes and pieced together the whole puzzle i, I think that could have worked yeah because maybe it's because it's like the viewer is naturally drawn to nagara and nozomi as like the main two leaders where she's trying to egg him on into being less of a apathetic uh loner and he's he's the one who's who's trying to learn to control his kind of emotions and learn to not be as apathetic and i and now the entire cast wants him to be like the entire cast is asking him to be a protagonist and he's like no please yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i thought that was kind of interesting though and that was from episode four where it was like the expectation of the audience in that particular scene i felt like was was in like the same as what the students were feeling at that moment where they're like, okay, is this the same story where Nagara is going to learn to, you know, be grow and control his power, figure out life. And I, I don't know if it's, if it's going to go like that because they really like, they've kind of made it clear that like, it's kind of pushing into a more surreal. Um, and there's just so many questions. Like the, the show could go in like a, a million different directions right now. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to say it's going to be like Wonder Egg, where they're going to like explain. Okay, actually, this island was just a science experiment that the government has made all of these students go through for a higher purpose. Which do not gonna... jinx it. Do not jinx it's it. It's a high school project. It's a high Yay. school project. 
<laughs> I I don't know. They they literally won't tell us where this direction is going to go. Um, and I'm like, I'm wondering if it's going to go into a darker turn at any moment. Even though it's not really what the what it feels like based on like what they've shown us, but it's also like there's a lot of nefarious like as motivations that are going around that we just don't know. It's like it's like that feel feeling of like stepping into like a dark cave where you actually don't know what you're actually going into yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah yeah there's kind of that hidden tension of the fact that like no one understands the rules i i think there's a, there's like a tug and pull like kind of represented by nozomi and nagara of like one the fear and terror of the unknown but on the other hand like the wonder and excitement of the unknown you know like the adventurous feeling mm, yeah it's true i think ultimately what you said nick is correct in that it could go in any direction at any angle so it's very much up in the air right now of whether it's going to turn into an amazing anime whether it's going to just turn into an entertaining one that you're glad you're watched but it probably isn't going to impact you or anything like that or it could even potentially turn bad we just don't know because all routes are open right now because so many routes are open within the storyline itself Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah, I'm not bored. I can say that, and that's enough to make me happy. Yeah, like it kind of depends. Like, maybe it's like how you feel about the show is dependent on how you felt about the 12 minute monologue about <laughs> monkeys playing baseball in episode four, <laughs> which I thought that was incredibly was... interesting. Some people were like, "What is going on here?" And yeah, some people sub- hated it. Now yeah. some people are like, "This isn't. There's no pretty pictures here. What's going on?" And then like the other third group uh, is just like, "Reject humanity, embrace monkey." <laughs> See, I kind of liked it. I was telling this to Nick yesterday that I thought they did a good job with Captain's character or Cap. I mean, because I found myself horribly irritated with him through that episode because he just wouldn't shut up. What he was talking about was interesting, but the way he was talking about it just reminded me of so many people I've interacted with in real life that just go on and on and you're like, I, I just don't care right now, dude. Because like the other characters seem so I guess they were interested, but like with the way they portrayed the day dragging on and on and him <laughs> still talking and still talking, still talking the story, like it I felt drained. I know, this is kind of contrast with the Gracie feels. I I I I find the characters actually kind of relatable only because they kind of act like normal kids in a lot of ways where yeah. they're trying to figure out their surrounding they're they're trying to go at it scientifically to just figure out the rules um they all have kind of different things that make them tick and they're they're more rational than i actually expect you know like sometimes they're angry but like when they have conflicts there are some moments where you can kind of tell like they hash it out and like kind of learn to because again they're in a they're in a really surreal experience so they have to learn to like say okay what just happened the other day was not cool but we're gonna have to figure out how to get off this island somehow. So we're going to have to just put that aside. I really don't have a way to explain it because I am really intuitive and not so much detail oriented, which can be a curse, but also a blessing at the same time. So the best way I can put it is just, I haven't clicked with any of the characters. None of them have just clicked with me. And so, and so because they haven't clicked, I haven't been able to bond with them, which is, pretty rare because it's a large cast usually there's always a character i can click with so in that sense i'm kind of shocked that i haven't clicked with a single character yet but i genuinely have it so (laughs) Mm. i i i I definitely see what gracie means like i i get it 
um, like intellectually, I can reason it out, but, um, and in some ways I agree with it, but with the added thought that it's really a show where you have to be interested in the, the entire society and like the entire dynamic between every moving part rather than fixating on any particular character to be interested in. Yes, and this is a particular quirk of mine, like I said. I tend to, all my stories are very character-driven. When I analyze stories, I tend to immediately first analyze characters and how they contribute and how they drive the plot or what it means in context of the plot. And this also ties perfectly with my personality where, once again, I am a huge people person. I've been my entire life, and I probably, like, in my everyday life is always, like, thinking about reading people and what they like and what they don't like and what they are and what they're not. And so, and so this is like, like I said, this is a particular quirk of mine. So that's why it's more important and emphasized on my end when I judge things than other people, for sure. Well, we've definitely gone on a while about Sonny Boy, but that, that just goes to show the nature of that show. There's so much to, you know, so much to, uh, so much to chew over, you know? So <laughs> are we going to get to our top that a real 10 expression? now, Betty? <laughs> Maybe. I'm, st- I'm still chewing and, uh, you know, in horror contemplating whether that's a real expression. The chew- to chew on it, I think, is what I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, number 10 in the chart right now, our top 10, it's Life Lessons with Uramichi Onisan. And I know we're all watching this one as well. It's a very fun one, though I guess I have a lot less to say in detail. It kind of is what it tells you it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> it's dark humor about the sadness of being an adult. That's it. I will say I know exactly what um, got it to top 10. It's because there's one particular brutal scene, and um, not this week's episode, but prior week's episode, where he... Um, asked the question to the kids and was like, what are, what is something that kids have that adults don't? And at first it was like very kid answers, which is, you know, drawing time or nap time, you know, stuff like that. And he's like, yeah, correct answers and everything. He's like, what else is there? The, the kids start answering, oh, dreams, heart, hope. And so, <laughs> and, and he just, you just see his soul slowly wither away as he's like, Yes, that is correct. All correct answers. That I don't I know it's crazy to say a particular scene can essentially allow an anime to reach top 10, but I have no doubt that's the reason because when I posted about that scene on our social medias, we have never gotten so many shares and reach up until that point on like a post about a particular anime that isn't news related. So I think that particular manga panel, even before the anime came out, that, that whole bit was like, had, had been shared a bunch of times as well. Like it's definitely like the peak part of this show where you're just like, it's funny, but it's also such a big mood that it, it kind of hurts. Gracie is, by definition, a social media influencer. You have her to thank for the chart results now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, that is not the case. But yeah, you're right. Ten, uh, Life Lessons with Uramichi Nissan is exactly that they advertise it to be. And, you know, there's not as much to discuss about it, but it is really funny. Or at least people like to revel in each, in each other's shared misery. So, <laughs> If anything, I'm happy to report that five episodes in it's 
or six maybe even, it's still funny mm. because a lot of shows like this really run the risk of just having one joke and one punchline and it getting old by episode two. But they, they managed to keep things fresh enough. And I think what really aids that is just the, the supporting cast and them all having like their own versions issues, of their own issues so, yeah yeah so ike teru onisan alone like carries the show for me i love him oh man but all right so that's 10 what's nine <laughs> number nine yeah well, that was a short segment but it's gonna get long again number nine is the aquatope on white sand i'm actually pretty sad about that one because not well i mean you know i adore the anime but and I also write about it on social media. But the highest it's ever reached is eight. Like it's been yeah. stuck in the nine and eight. Region. It actually fell down one spot since last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I forgot to mention Uramichi on Nissan is new at number ten, and that's odd. Was it? Uh... Oh, I see. It's like its first time yeah, it's new on the there t- because it. It definitely did not have like the strongest opening episode. I think by oh yeah. What's what's interesting is it. I thought I thought it would say um what its lower position was last week. Not for new placements. Yeah. I see. Interesting. Maybe it's because it's new in the top ten. If it was below top ten, I think when you transition from below top ten to above top ten, I'm learning the inner workings of our own polls. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Aquatope. It's number nine. I'll be honest. I am grateful just to see like my favorite anime in the top 10 at all because there are a lot of cases like odd taxi last season where they're just way down in like 20s or 30s land and it breaks my heart mm-hmm, so true. i'm like hey i'll take what i can get but are you watching uh, it dick i actually i because i know medi watches it so so here's the thing i'm not watching it but i've seen like the first two episodes that I am personally inferring what's happening through the rest of the show. So I don't know if that's like what the, like a viewer might be thinking as well, where I I feel like the first couple episodes felt kind of predictable with like, I don't know. I I have this weird aversion to PA work shows. I don't know why. Mm. Like I like Shirobako. (laughs) I kind of like soccer quest, although not really, but I just am like, it's kind of this weird vibe of like, I don't know if it's just because I'm not that big on Slice of Life or if it's more like I don't really identify with much of the conflict or drama parts that it's not it's not as interesting to me at on at that point, you know? Yeah, no, that's completely fair. I this is once again my quirk showing through. I agree with you. Actually, I think a lot of the episodes are really predictable. In fact, the last one I found incredibly predictable again. I knew exactly how it was Mm -hmm. going to end and like how it got to its ending of that episode. Like I knew exactly what it was going to be like and and it was exactly like that. So you're absolutely right in the fact that it's predictable. But once again, you know, I am so character driven and so and I focus so much on characters that I think just watching um, the two main characters, Kukuru and uh, Fuka's relationship slowly grow and bond is just is enough to hold me onto it, essentially. On top of a lot of other stuff, but that being the main stuff. But I can totally see 
why it's too slow or too boring or too a lot of other things for other people. So I get what you're saying. It's it's 26 episodes, so like I figure like it, it there's going to be enough stuff, I think, driving the show. It's more like a comfort show where I'm like, I know what I'm going to get to and I'm going to feel probably good watching it. I do like the animation. I think some of the sequences in the first couple episodes with the water um, mm-hmm. are absolutely beautiful. I just, I have this lingering thought in the back of my head that if I see Aquatope start blowing up on socials, it's it's because the main leads become a couple or something. And it's like something like that, that I, I kind of feel the rumblings of like from that trailer where I'm like, oh God, is this what everyone, like there's that huge subset of fans that are trying to like that, I guess want that, but then I'm also like they're they're just friends, right? And I'm like, I, I can't. You're 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 talking to two fans that um want that slash believe that based on <laughs> recent episodes, right? Yeah. Or in at least in my eyes, it will be queer baiting, unfortunately. Yeah, so. exactly. That that is the other. Big I mean, thing. If, if we get that like the quote unquote confirmation. Um, it's probably going to be in like the last two episodes. Exactly. So that's why I'm like, I don't know if I just wait my time for like, if, if it's going to develop into something or if it's, if it, cause like the trailer already was like, my first thought was like, okay, this feels like bait immediately. It's not like it's blooming to you or something else where I'm like, where it's more front and center, the main focus and actually is doing something with the premise. I don't know mm-hmm. if like, this is just more like comfortable show, beautiful animation, but also kind of like carrot and stick. Like so, good news, Nico, is that there is a potential this anime could be queer coded. Uh, Girl Talk, who actually did an episode with Jack, since he is very much part of the Pride community, so he has very much a big say in regards to queer baiting versus queer coding, and um, and he and we talked about the difference, and essentially, it's as long as the anime itself doesn't actively actively try to overturn the stuff that we've seen of the two main characters the two main girls it will probably be a queer coded anime in the similar way that skate the infinity is mm, considered queer okay. coded. yeah okay that's actually kind of interesting then okay great great plug from gracie cool. oh no no no! I, I i just didn't want to stress on the topic because that that topic literally took us an hour to discuss. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, we're gonna go down a whole. Yeah, I will have a to whole rabbit hole at, at the most. Re- it's the most recent episode, or is it? No, but it's. Oh, I think recent. it was the one beforehand. Okay. That that's the one that like kind of swayed us, and as a result, another quick. Uh, for for what it's worth, uh, Kukuru and Fuka is a uh, an option on our couple ship polls at the moment. So yes. if you believe this anime has Yuri vibes. Then go, uh, you know, vote, <laughs> represent. I, I do want to say one last. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Maddie. No, no, no. Go ahead. Finish up. Okay. So what I do want to say one last note is because I know we still have several animes to go through um, is that I, I know I already saw people online saying, watch, it's going to be queer baiting and uh, and it, it's going to be Yuri Bay and they're just going to end up as friends and stuff like that is and if it does end up that way that is really unfortunate because the scene that made us add the ship on the poles if anyone's listening wondering why is there was a particular scene where the two girls legitimately was like you know if you want to get closer to me you can touch me and like grab the other girl's (laughs) hand and put it on her face and she was like do you feel closer to me and the other girl grabbed Fuka's hand because it was Fuka who first said it and Fuka put it and puts uh, her, 
Luca's hand against uh, her her face and was like, what about you? Do you feel closer to me? Literally holding each other's hands, gazing into each other's eyes. And I want to say as someone who is on the A scale that I have probably a lot, a much more emotionally intimate relationship with my friends than the average person does because I am ace. And I can say that as someone who has an extremely emotionally intimate friendships with my girlfriends, that even I would never do something like that. And so, and so that's like, to me, that was immediate, um, to me, that immediately tipped me off because I'm actually the one who tends to question on whether like these girls are just friends or whether they're, whether there's actually romantic undertones because I'm someone who has intensely emotional platonic relationships with my girlfriends. So if I'm considering the fact that there's a lot of romantic vibes going on, I, I just wanted to give you guys like a baseline as to the as to like where where I am positioned in relation to like the average person. So. <laughs> I mean, forget all that emotional analytical stuff. Just the fact that this show takes place at an aquarium tells you everything you need. Mm, yeah. I'm telling you, aquariums are like Yuri embassies. <laughs> but we, we really let the whole conversation become like, is the show gay or not? When like, I think if it is great, if it's not that really doesn't matter too much. Like, I think it's fantastic for plenty of reasons. Mm. It doesn't need to be, like, no matter how things go with, um, fingers crossed, you know, how things go with the characters, it'll just stay good and, um, <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah, you, you guys said a lot. Mm -hmm. I, I really wanted to, like, make my piece on this anime because it's probably my favorite of the season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, from what Nick said about his bias against PA works, I kind of <laughs> chuckled because the... I believe the only PA works original I've watched before this was The Day I Became a God last fall. Oh, we don't want to which talk about I did that. Not, <laughs> I did not like it. did not we end well. We do not like, want to mm, talk about that. Mm. <laughs> but for what it's worth, um, as a friend of mine pointed out, the creative staff between these two are just like completely different. Like, don't let the studio name, you know, Oh yeah. Say everything for you because you'll often have entirely different directors and writers. Yeah, this and is kind of mean because like, I, I, I don't think yeah. I've ever liked a Jun Maeda show. That's that's yeah. kind of why I was like, okay, I'm not. But but it's because it's always animated by by PA works. It's always like I guess they. Yeah, take no, the, it's the there are trends movie. because again, like this is um a set of staff that have worked on a lot of PA works originals, just not that one that I mentioned. Mm. Yeah, I'm really curious just how well Nick can predict everything, especially because it's. It's 26 episodes. A lot could happen. Yeah. Um. Oh, well, how to how to put words put this into words? I mean, the animation's beautiful. The plot it can be extremely predictable, as you said. Yeah. <laughs> I remember complaining to Gracie like through my live reactions about the whole um <laughs> the childbirth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like, I, that's oh why boy, I said, they called the pregnant vet over yeah, to no, help that's their why thing. I said I wonder Nick's what's critique is completely understandable. In fact, I even agree with it. It's like each episode yeah. is predict. In fact, just the last week's episode, it was a predictable again to me. But but I, I will say like a pre separate predictable episodes are very different from a predictable overarching plot. Yes, I agree with that. Yes. Yeah, this show is it's it's really freaking good. Like. Watch it. <laughs> I really like all the stuff about the aquarium and animals too. Like I, I spent many years working at a pet store when I was younger, 
and like caring for animals there, which is not the same as a full scale aquarium. But there are really some similar themes about like, I mean, educating the customers about like certain fish and all that. And also just like literally watching them scrub tanks. I'm like, oh, I've been there. And then when it comes to feeding the animals and then the whole like, oh, one is sick. You got to isolate it and do this. Like, I'm really happy to just see that representation of like the animal care kind of work because it's not what I see much in anime. And I think it's some fascinating stuff. I, I think we've gone on long enough about Aquatope, but it is, again, this is my favorite of the season at this point, And we're nearing the halfway point of the season. So, you know, that says something. Moving on up. Oh, we're still just at number eight, so we're going to be here a while. <laughs> okay, fortunately, this should be shorter because number eight moved up two spots since last week, and that is How a Realist Hero Rebuilt the Kingdom. I have not watched this one. Have either of you? Absolutely not. Most likely because it sounds like in... Like, not necessarily isekai, but it also feels like light, light novel isekai, so that's kind of... Oh, absolutely. Um, what I'm trying to remember... Because the the title is very familiar. Is this... Uh, no, the anime premiered in July 2021. This is the first season. I thought this had like already aired and this was maybe a second core. But that kind of says a lot to how uh, <laughs> like predictable or like samey the title sounds to a million other things. Mm-hmm. That... How would I describe it? I guess like the main thing is that I don't know if there's much to say from this one besides the fact that, again, it's it kind of feels like it ends up um i guess from the appeal is that it kind of is trying to um mess with some of the tropes within the genre so it kind of requires a little bit like again this is kind of like going back to like is this kind of like a comfort show um or is it just based on the fact that like does it does it just follow the same isekai uh, checklist if you know what i mean yeah i mean you can be quote-unquote like tried and true or stereotypical isekai and still knock it out of the park i will have things to say about that with a higher entry on our top 10 actually um but yeah i literally have nothing to say about this one because i'm not watching it sorry to say yeah but I, I don't know much to people... say about the thing i read was basically like like there are some areas of like okay if you like logistics within isekai like like i know log horizon did that a lot um that might be something that you're looking for in a show like this, but it probably does follow that isekai checklist. So, um, yeah, I honestly, I think I think that isekai that aren't adventure or battle focused are often the best, actually, mm-hmm. because they can just go really wild with their actual ideas. Yeah, it's true. I think that's kind of how I felt with Log Horizon too, and I always felt like those first couple episodes, like some 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 arcs in Log Horizon, are interesting because it's like they're fighting battles through basically logistic focus like it's not it's not swords but it's all about who's got the numbers for xyz purpose and then it kind of has that similar vibes that you can kind of get like if you ever read like all those crazy stories about what happens on mmos like eve online or something it's like that that's that's what's happening in this in this kind of show it's not like a it's not like a grand battle but the battles are won before any any shots get fired well that's what's so Haha, <laughs> I was going to say realistic, because the show is about a realist, but the bulk of your time when playing games that these isekai worlds tend to be based off of, the bulk of your time is not spent actually doing battle, it's often spent micromanaging and, like, 
<laughs> dealing with your inventory and your party and all that. Yeah. Anyways, I don't know if we have anything else more to say about it. Uh, I guess we can move on to number seven. Probably not. We haven't. We're literally just speculating on what the show is probably about. <laughs> yeah, someone's gonna totally. Grill <laughs> we should us do our research. Like, Actually, you should you know yeah. watch the shows before you talk about them. <laughs> yeah. um. I say we go rescue Gracie, and then we're gonna move on to number seven. All right, moving on to number seven. This is another one I have not watched. I haven't um, seen it either, so I won't have much to say. <laughs> it was, oh, it's new to the top 10. Going into number seven is pretty strong then. I believe it just recently premiered, and that might be why. This no, is the... I've seen posts from Jam. She's one of our content creators for social ah. media, so. Well, let's not keep the listeners in suspense any longer. It's the Duke of Death and his maid. I added like a question mark inflection at the end, but that's not part of the title. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, I haven't seen it. <laughs> I don't suppose Nick has no, I, surprisingly. I, don't, I, I, I would honestly have shocked you if I if I said, oh yeah, I, I, I watched this show. This is a concerning theme is that like we are experts on the bottom of our top 10 and we don't know anything no, <laughs> no, we're getting there we're getting there at least oh we, we really are no real the, we're, we're good again at the top half yeah. but that being said i did i am making an interesting observation that our anime voters for this particular season because it actually varies with each season really 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 loves their romance um because i suspect number one and number two on our chart like shot up because of the romance so that's why yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so that's why i think um that's why i think it shot up to number seven from my understanding there are some like romantic developments that's happened and so and clearly our voters for this particular season kind of just goes gaga for romance so <laughs> and more power to them um the the title sounds cool it's got not you know we only have so much time to seems like he's got no shortage of work seeing him pop up everywhere (laughs) all right let's get to number six i've got sorry sorry to cut that short but yeah we don't have all night i'm ready (laughs) ready too okay (laughs) number oh why is this here that's all i'm gonna say number six it's already dropped three spots so you know calm down you two (laughs) um though it's been in the top 10 for like four weeks now um, number six is the detective is already dead. And come on, the detective is already dead. So don't, you know, destroy them anymore. I mean, it is ironic. No, the first episode is Go the easy. best. I, that's all I can say. This just shows, this show is terrible. This Wait, is, you said is, the first episode is the best. Oh. Of all of the ones that were released. So it is kind of funny how it started out at the peak. It Like first week, it was number two on our chart. And I was like, okay, I, I guess. Didn't- I didn't think it deserved number two, though. The airplane scene probably carried it, but I don't know if that just meant someone who watched the animation of the airplane scene without, like, actually getting any of the context leading up to it. Because the actual context leading up to it in the conversations was like actually incredibly cringe like it felt like two robots reading a script that made no sense at all leading up to it and then it ends up with like like an actually insanely animated fight but like just the the build-up leading up to it like was kind of a turd so it's just like i don't know you can't really polish that i no, I didn't. I did not. The writing and the character exposure or the character introductions and stuff, I genuinely thought it was awful, which sucks because at first I liked the premise of it 
the main character has a tendency to stumble into crime scenes, which is a quirk of, which is like a kind of comedic quirk that kind of reminds me a bit of the main, of Araragi from Monogatari series. He has a tendency to attract supernatural elements to himself, and so and so when the main character first revealed that I was like okay I dig that quirk of that character like I I think that'd be a fun element to explore and stuff like that and it it just went all downhill from there for me and so the fact that it even debut at number two was like something I couldn't really understand because I just liked the first episode so much but I am glad to see it slowly going down but the fact that it's ranked above Aquatope is also extremely frustrating. <laughs> so... Oh man, don't remind me. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna mince words. I hate the show. The show is just it's just the writing <laughs> is, is awful. Uh it does kind of do this weird genre shift. Like, so even though I guess the first episode is like the best with the airplane scene, it has like nowhere near the level of action that it tried to do at the beginning. And so it's this weird, like it's had so many genre shifts by, I, by I don't now. understand what it's doing. It's just, and Nick, what is you know this? what happened in the last episode? It was a mecha fight. <laughs> <laughs> okay. For, from your descriptions and specifically what Nick said about like two robots reading a script in the first episode, I'm growing increasingly convinced that this is the world's first AI written anime script. And that's why it's not making any <laughs> sense. It's pulled it just... in every single light novel. And then that robot short circuited yeah. and died. And so they got a new robot yeah. to read oh! and recover. Well, careful now. The, the, the light novel title, title AI is a gigguk video, but th- this is an anime oh, script. Yeah, AI. Yeah. It just <laughs> got the script of every anime ever. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I do want to generated uh, one. I do want to point out though, from frog coon, who is sort of like anime Twitter's residential light novel expert. She pointed mm-hmm. out that uh, Katakua has figured out, Katakua as a company has figured out that making anime out of light novels always increased light novel sales. And so they literally started producing this anime when this light, when this light novel series had a total of two volumes, period. And so basically... I believe it. Yeah, so basically they don't care or... Yeah, I, they basically don't care or it doesn't really matter to them that if the light novel source material is going to be good or not. It's, it's, it is unfortunately a bit of a marketing ploy at the end of the day. And this isn't the first time they did it. Last season, they did it with Osa Make. Uh, I, did we watch that one together, <laughs> Medi? Or was that another one? No, no, no. That was another one. That's somebody else. <laughs> yeah, that was somebody else. But uh, Osa Make one... Uh, was also was also last season which people were really actually got quite angry towards about it because of how bad it is but that's also another light novel series where barely any volumes are out but Kagawa pushed for the anime adaptation because they know it's going to boost sales for a new running series mm-hmm. so if we're wondering as to why this was particularly chosen to become adapted now we know <laughs> I won't lie that's really smart because History has shown us, like, anime needs a multimedia approach to be really, like, as a monetization vehicle. And when you have adaptations of completed projects, it's like, 
people already know like, oh, the manga was good or oh, the manga was bad. And that'll decide the anime's fate. But if they release them concurrently, then people are going to pick up both at the same time, like not knowing. So they're more willing to take a gamble, I think. Mm-hmm. And like, there's also, you, you eliminate the risk of like, I already know what happened because I watched it or I read it. It's like, oh no, both are at the same time. So you're probably just going to pay for both or pick yours. I don't know. Regardless, uh, to like... answer your question, Medi, of like, now I don't know whether it's good or bad. The answer for this one is it's bad. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no. I'm aware. <laughs> yeah, may- maybe this will be this will be the instance where um, because it's so bad, they actually just lose more money by doubling down their investment on two forms of media. No, I doubt it. I think if the fact that it made to number six on the chart, uh, Probably means there's a sizable fan base that that made it to number two. Made so. number two. <laughs> I don't know who's out there that's like, wow, that was a really good first anime original only episode. I'm gonna go buy the rest of the novels right now. There's probably like at least five of you out there. So, uh, wow. Um, well, w- worth noting, it dropped three spots, even if it took that long. So if if things go your way, it might be out of the top 10 by next week. Yeah, I feel like the general feeling I'm getting of whoever's, like, angrier or happy enough to post about the show is that, like, the, the general consensus is that the show is going off a cliff, but, like, also the, the easy pun is that it was already falling off the cliff, like, oh, my, Um Like, that joke writes itself, so I'm just gonna say it. Yeah. Um, fear not, though, because if you were missing a great detective form of media in your life there's an alternative that i highly recommend it's called the great ace attorney chronicles you can get it now on (laughs) nintendo switch two awesome games in one actually good i i have it um you know my my sources tell me that nick's girlfriend recently picked that game up so i take it you've been playing or watching a lot yeah yeah it's it's been the last couple days it's like it's actually nice. like like my one tangent is like the tutorial case is actually really in depth and I was like kind of surprised yeah. at I hear I, I hear great things about it because this game these games were actually directed by Shutakumi, who uh had not directed any of the three D S games. Except the Latent Crossover, mm-hmm. ironically enough. Yeah. Fascinating like history video I just yeah. watched about all that. Uh but yeah, we're going to get into like yeah, a whole Ace, Ace Attorney, Attorney tangent. Podcast. And the only yeah. other thing that I'm going to say before I drop this is that it's the one time in media that I can remember where a Sherlock Holmes character wasn't like just a total jerk the whole time. Like, <laughs> I like I like this character a lot in, in this game. Nick, you need to watch Moriarty the Patriot. Because it's true. I did Gracie not watch that. I yeah, maybe that had... is the other exception. We <laughs> Gracie and I spent two whole seasons simping for that Sherlock Holmes. It was okay. Great. Maybe that's maybe it's the second one because I definitely remember that was that was a big one. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> number five. Yeah, things are gonna stay really interesting from now on. Has fallen one spot since last week, and that is Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid S. Yay. <laughs> I have a lot to say. (laughs) All right, but be quick. So basically, I am really happy that Kyoto Animation is back, of course, after after a horrific thing had happened to the people there, to the company itself. But I do genuinely want to sing the praises for this anime, not related to the actual studio, 
because I really am impressed about a single thing. So when Ilula, um, Ilulu, I can't even pronounce yeah. it correctly, Ilulu got introduced, I was really concerned because she has ginormous boobs, to put it simply. And it's that's usually the biggest sign of fan service galore sort of thing. And while I understand the purpose of fan service, it is not for me, especially because I feel like anime in particular, when they sexualize a lot of female characters, they do it at their, um, what's the right, what's the word for it? They like at, 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 at their detriment, yeah, I guess. They do it at their detriment. Like it's not, it's not fan servicey where you actually where you actually think this person is hot or sexy. Actually, uh, a good a good comparison would be Ghislaine from of all anime, Jobless Reincarnation. Uh, Ghislaine has an extremely sexy body, but the way that sh- they actually do make her sexy in fan service is is so much more is so much more in a way that elevates her as a character than bring her down. But unfortunately, from my experience, most anime tend to like to bring female characters down to sexualize them and give them fan service. And so I was really worried about Ilulu because of that. And also in her arc, she, she, uh, you know, turns Kobayashi temporarily into a guy and yeah, after the or, whole or, thing or, was like, I've decided I'm going to mate with you and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, no, no, because the way she acts and the way she talks sounds like a kid, you know, like mentally sounds like a kid, not at any sort of like same level as the way that Kobayashi and Toru would interact with each other. And so but the, the reason why I actually do want to give it praise was all my fears ended up becoming really unfounded at the end of the day. The anime production team actually is really aware of the fact that Ilulu has the mentality of a child, and so they actually group her with the children characters instead of with the adult characters like Elma, Kobayashi, and Toru. So whenever we see Ilulu, she's usually playing games, she's usually making friends with the kids and stuff like that. And on top of that, uh, so much less emphasis has actually appeared towards her chest, in fact. Like, in fact, sometimes I kind of forget about it even because of the fact that if you just see her face and stuff, you don't really see her I, chest. I wish I could forget, but it's really hard to not see it in your way when she's on screen. Right, but it's like, but they don't purposefully, put, like, put the quote-unquote camera on it, you know what I mean? Right, Um, whereas they still do that and even add, like, the sound effects uh, associated for some other characters. Exactly, and so there was that involved. And not saying Kyoto Animation doesn't, they obviously do it with Kobayashi, not Kobayashi, with Toru sometimes, and another character, or Elma sometimes, but uh, but it's like, because of Ilulu's mentality and the way she acts is so childlike, it feels grosser if it happens to her versus like the adult females you know so the studio the team realized that she is mentally like a child and so they always group her with the children characters they never group her with the adults and then in the most recent episode i actually came to really care for her as a character she decided that she's tired of sort of like caning out and depending on kobayashi to house her and everything and so she decided to work at a candy store and she explains to uh, her co-worker Ish that it's the owner's grandson who is a teenage boy, but she explains to her co-worker 
that the reason why she chose a candy store is because uh, she really likes kids. She really likes to see them play. And obviously, you can't really play with kids when you're at work. And so she chose a candy store because she can see a lot of kids who are happy and they're buying stuff and they ask her questions and she gets to see them having fun while she's able to take on a professional job. And I thought that was just really charming and really, really sweet. And I really appreciated that. And before I knew it, I was like... I started being so wary of her and now being really happy for her that like she found her place and stuff. And my admiration for the anime production team for Kobayashi's Maid Dragon has only grown since talking to Jack because Jack has read the manga and eventually dropped it because of Ilulu. And she told me, or sorry, he, he told me that essentially the female characters or the female characters in the manga get like 10 times more fan service, including Kana, like a lot more fan servicey moments with Kana. And Ilulu is essentially like lusting after Kobayashi throughout the throughout like the entire series of the manga, despite having the mentality of a child. And Ilulu was actually supposed to be introduced a lot earlier. Uh, the production team had done everything they could to push back her appearance from the actual story. So to be able to change a source material that upset one of our that upset our head editor so much that he ended up dropping it into something that's so much more charming to the point where I was feeling so happy in the last episode because of Ilulu finding where she wants to be and what she wants to do is incredible to me. So yeah, that's my whole monologue spiel praising Kobayashi. <laughs> Can I say something really mean but endearing? Yes. <laughs> After a while there, I started to remember um, Cap's monologues in Sonny Boy when <laughs> he kept going on about the baseball game. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I, I'm, you know, I'm paying attention though, and I agree with almost everything you said. Like the main thing that bugs me, like the thing with Kobayashi, it's so strange because, on one hand, it can be such a sweet, heartwarming, like charming, innocent show, and then the next minute, it can just be so like appalling, <laughs> like almost <laughs> disgusting with like the specific kinds of um, uh, kind of crowds it caters to. Mm. And everything you said about Iruru, I actually have most recently only seen episode four, not episode five, so I'm glad oh, to hear that goes well. Oh, okay. But with episode four, I really liked the first half or so of it, but the later part of it, um, there's a specific reason why Iruru being grouped with the kids is actually a bad thing in my eyes, and that is just the fact that Saikawa exists as a character. That's right. You didn't like Saikawa. Well... Her entire presence is just a vehicle, if you ask me, to um, kind of paint Kana and Iruru in that light. And I'm not okay with that, because like you said, they are children. I, I can understand that. I know Saikawa herself is, you know, like a kid or whatever, but like, kids that young probably shouldn't, like, that whole, a quote-unquote crush, and I say that very generously could be painted much more innocently. And, like, I, I'm just so not comfortable with, like, the quote-unquote sexy situations and reactions they have with those characters. Mm -hmm. 
What's funny is I'm actually a little more forgiving towards Sayakawa, but maybe my perception of the bar has gotten so low after getting disappointed so often in anime that the immediately the reason why I was more okay with it was because Sayakawa was a kid because I have unfortunately watched too many anime and have seen my fair share of adult men reacting that way towards underage girls. And so after seeing a slew of those kinds of things, seeing an actual child react that way to other children, her mental age, I have to say mental age because Iwulu obviously is older physically. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so seeing a child react that way is just so much more acceptable that i'm just okay with it you know <laughs> you, you make a good point but then while this has not been an issue in season two so much as like season one the whole thing between um shota who, who's literally called shota oh, oh yeah, yeah 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 i agree and, i agree um, actually i know what you're talking and, about <laughs> yeah and lukoa it's like that's the whole double standard thing where it's like ah the hot the woman and small boy so you know that's not weird or creepy at all it is it is again, it is just, yeah. it, it, it's where i draw the line and where like kobayashi is so good in so many regards and why i keep watching it mm-hmm. but also just really leaves a bitter taste in my mouth with um like yeah not to mince my words it's just like it's uncomfortable sexualization of children or at least like not of them but like putting them in situations with those connotations yeah i understand it i think my i think my understanding of the source material being 10 times more problematic than we actually see on screen has made me respect the production of this anime a lot more which is probably why i'm not so much stewing on it as i probably would be otherwise so yeah yeah i guess i'm just you know i'm, I'm not like at no point am i like mm, joe annie Shame on you. I just, you know, looking at the content itself, I'm like, I don't like this, regardless of who's responsible. Right, right. And I also know that it's, you know, the author, not Joanne. Yeah, that's our, um, we'll step down from my soapbox now. Uh, Nick, you're, you don't watch, you haven't kept up with Kobayashi at not, all, right? Not with the current season, although it's kind of funny that you guys are mentioning how the original source material, because it reminded me of that random story of a parent, and I want to say... The Midwest U.S. of Nebraska, like that. Oh, like, I know. This <laughs> is a she, funny story. She basically got Miss Kobayashi banned from her like child's middle school library because like her daughter came home and she read through it and was like, "This is inappropriate." So she kind of she kind of got on her like proverbial soapbox and it got picked up by local news. So like the whole internet's just like, <laughs> "Oh my god, she got this manga well, banned." I'm and actually it's it's really funny because always it's like, "Aha, you know, like Normie's talking about anime and manga." But at the same time, I agree that should not yeah, be. And so you guys I, are no, just no, like, actually, that though, she has a point. It's like what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah. No, especially <laughs> after Jack told me all these other, like Jack gave me a lot more like particular details and scenes. I I actually agree with that decision. So. Oh my gosh. But anywho, so what's next for us? So today? yeah, we're, we're moving on to number four, and we've got much less controversy there. Um, unfortunately, fallen down two slots i'm already showing my bias by leading that way <laughs> but it's that time i got reincarnated as a slime season two part two electric boogaloo, electric boogaloo. i don't that have is anything almost the to full say title. because i don't watch this so you two just take it away 
Okay. Nick, you watched some of season one, right? <laughs> crickets. Nope. Crickets. Crickets. Well, that's fine. I, I will keep it Just, short. Yeah, cover it. Yeah, let's go. I love this anime, and I kind of alluded in our little bit about the realist hero, like, you can be textbook stereotypical isekai and still knock it out of the park, and that's what slime does. Like, it keeps getting better against all odds. Like, it should have lost its charm or <laughs> fallen into some pitfalls, but no, I'm like, how do you keep getting better? I just love it. It's so, like, I don't think it's exactly character-driven, like, um, you know, for something like Gracie would enjoy. I think it's very, like, world-driven and, like, the scope is really fun to watch. And it's, like, it's really fun watching the scale of things expand and the interactions between more and more characters and, like, there's politics to it, too. I think I just nerd out over, like, all of the... It's hard to phrase this, but there's a certain kind of appeal to like really detailed fantasy worlds mm. where like some fans just love the feeling of like reading a fan wiki you know and just like consuming all of the information and knowledge and lore there yeah. is to have in like a world or a story and I think this really scratches that itch for me where like I just grow more fascinated and obsessed with everything going That's on. That's actually kind of must be a testament to the writing then because it's almost mm-hmm. like yeah. it requires a lot of time to get to that point um, yes. where it's almost like you, you, you hear of it and you, you hear the, the isekai pitfalls where you don't know if it's just going to be the one where like the world is literally just whatever video game the author was playing at the time so then you're thinking <laughs> yeah. oh this video game is just final fantasy 14 or monster hunter or like something that's like so incredibly basic at that point where you're like okay they they did not put the time in to think about this world so i'm not going to and so it like yep the, the other yeah. analogy i can almost think of is like like watching Super Mario where like there's like a million Marios running on the screen where each Mario <laughs> is an isekai and when you finally get to a certain point you've already weeded out all of the bad ones over time oh yeah 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 so so it almost saying. seems like it's crossed that threshold where this could this is like one of those isekai that is like actually truly great for the genre rather than like one of many that you could just be like yeah this is just like this one but with like a gimmick like I've got my cell phone this time or I am a cell yeah. phone. <laughs> <laughs> I I think it's gotten far enough that like, wow, it's not only maintained ground this whole time, but like gotten better that it's like I'm confident it would only, you know, it has to stay pretty good. Like I'll be surprised if it gets actually, it might dip a little, but I'll be surprised if it gets like mm-hmm. actually bad in yeah, the that's future. Yeah, that's pretty appealing then because um, I think that's something that I would actually look into if it's, like it, it has to like maintain the test where if it if it's going on the same trajectory, that's actually something that I would I would be down yeah. to pick up. Um, and like one thing I was scared of was definitely like power creep and jumping the shark, but it, it just doubles down and keeps jumping the shark, and it's like you're gonna accept this. So like it pulls it off every time. Like, <laughs> so <laughs> like I, I have to admit that there's plenty of characters or I won't say plot threads, but like because there's such a huge cast and huge world, there's plenty of characters that I could easily like forget about here and there, but when they're reintroduced, it's pretty organic and I'm not like expected to remember or feeling confused or like mad at the writing. It's like, Oh, right. I like, it's on me for not remembering. And even if I don't, 
like the show naturally just reminds me like right that's why they mattered then and that's why they matter again now Mm -hmm. Uh, and and, like i have to mention too just that the cast is so charming and lovable like there's great comedy but it also like as of season two especially got very serious and dense and like it's just what a fun time like I, I i look forward to every tuesday like i said aquatope was my favorite this season and i think it is especially as an anime that started this season but slime has just become like such a treat to look forward to every week and it kind of like defines the idea of isekai for me let's move on to number three then this show has dropped two spots since last week so it had its moment in number one but it's fallen down to number three and that is the case study of Vanitas. I have not started this one yet, though I certainly have my eyes on it, and I believe both of you are watching and enjoying it. Are you watching it, Nick? I watched the first two episodes. I I, I enjoyed the the, um, the soundtrack a lot from Yuki Kajira. Um, okay, it was I didn't so know that you watched with it. The fate like references that are in there, even though it's not even fate related, I just keep thinking it. Um, I had initial thoughts about... I, I'm, I'm pretty... Oh, I was just going to say, like, I, I think Nick talked about it in our last podcast, The First Impressions. Oh, <laughs> you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, sorry, Nick. Go on. <laughs> yeah, so that was... Like, I mean, that was, this was the same points that I had during the first um, the first impressions, where I think that the setting is, is super interesting. Um, I kind of wish from some of the later episodes that because it's taking place in what's kind of like a steampunk France, I kind of wish... They went with it a lot harder. Yes, um, I agree. I, I, I I'm almost like the first episode with the um with the steampunk punk blimp was super interesting within the world building. Um, but I kind of wish that the landmarks were more steampunkified. Where they have like here's all of the French landmarks in Paris, but mm-hmm. it's the same thing that like you could kind of see from a photo. So part of me is almost thinking like, oh, is this something that like they had the animators had reference photos on either from the internet or from their own like personal trip or something like i kind of wish they they had some more stuff going with it um and that's not talking about really the characters or the plot but i always felt like that was such a big core to what i thought was interesting with this show yeah no i agree with you i think i wish they leaned more into the steampunk thing believe it or not i actually don't think it it's it's strong right now i think it's good and it's entertaining but i wouldn't say it's strong because while i simp for all the characters both the girls and the guys because they're all ridiculously hot i I, there's no other way to describe them (laughs) so while i simp for all the characters and their designs and i love their personalities unfortunately with a sort of mystery fantasy action plot you gotta give me some little bit of unpredictability like some little bit you know and i haven't really gotten it yet all the many conflicts have been resolved by another character that like comes in and just changes the game which i'm like "Eh, that's not what i actually want i want an actual resolution of the mini conflict not just an interruption per se and so and unfortunately that's what all the mini arcs have been doing i will say though yes the music is amazing and once again the character designs i drool over unashamedly but also very shamefully (laughs) and um And I will say, though, the antagonist is really intriguing to me right now. I definitely think that's, like, 
the shining moment of the series, not the protagonist, but how mysterious and creepy the antagonist is. So I absolutely do love that. But just the overall plot has been pretty weak, a lot weaker than I expected because I am a huge fan of Mochi Mochizuki Sensei. She is an absolute master of storytelling with art and her and very, very hot slash interesting characters. And I have to say her beginning for case study in Vanitas has actually been weaker than what I usually see her works to be. And so I keep I keep seeing comments from people being like, oh, it gets better. I promise it gets better, which to me shows shows me that they all agree the beginning is actually rather weak plot-wise. And while I'm certainly excited for it to become better for sure, I have to be objective and objective to as best as I can in a subjective matter, but I do have to be objective and critique it where it is currently weak in the beginning, which is the plot. So yeah, that's my whole take. <laughs> I, I think that's very fair. Like it can't take too long to quote unquote get to the good stuff because that's kind of how for a long time I felt about um, My Hero Academia, where a lot of people said like, yeah, season one is great. And I'm like, yeah, you might want to get through like 13 episodes of season one, but then it gets pretty good. Mm-hmm. On that note, like quick tangent, where on earth is My Hero Academia on our charts? Because I expect that to always just be a shoo-in in our no, top 10. No, no, no. Um, well, first of all, it aired last season technically, so it wouldn't be on our charts. Oh, I see, because it's not a... It's a continued core, not a not a split core. Right, but so it's even, no longer the season. Even that though, Medi, last season it was on our chart for like maybe two weeks, and then it was gone. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and it hasn't been a very strong season. I wouldn't say for it. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's that's that. Uh, Vanito still sounds cool. I'm probably gonna check it out, but I think at this point I can kind of wait for it to finish and let you guys give me the verdict on whether I need to watch it or not. Yeah, I definitely think uh you could wait Maddie, as someone who uh especially as someone who tends to be a little more spontaneous slash get distracted <laughs> like i i have to admit with where the plot no idea what you could be ever talking about <laughs> but um uh, even me with where the plot is and how it's gotten resolved i've been a little meh you know on it like i i just watch it for the eye candy embarrassingly and not embarrassingly right. so um but i i trust the readers who say that it does get a lot better and crazy good but it's comments to me their comments to me only show that they do agree the beginning was predictable and not at its best so <laughs> so kind of uh piggybacking off of that a show that i have lost interest in and dropped is our number two entry on the charts this week i know which jumped why. up four spots i know why so i'm curious yeah gracie please tell me why Remake Our Life has shot up four spots in the past week, and what I missed right after dropping it. Uh, it's because the blue-haired girl kissed the main character, Kyoya. Ah, okay, well, yeah, I'm I'm glad to see that they're, um, committing to the romance right away, and, like, because th- there's always this complaint, and I don't think romance is objectively bad or good based on how long the will-they-won't-they they last, mm-hmm. and, like, whether they're officially a couple or not. Um, but I do know that is quite, it's quite crowd, it's crowd pleasing, you know, to let the thing happens and yeah, crowd pleasing and wish fulfillment is very much something this show is good at. Yeah. Well, um, so here's my thing. 
Uh, was it cool that it was actually the girl who made the first move and she wasn't like a sexy girl who was like purposefully going yeah. after him? Yes, that was actually really cool. She I'm shot always for that. Yes, yeah, she for shot that. her shot in a very normal way, and that was awesome to see. But was it enough for it that episode to shoot up four spots? I don't believe so. <laughs> yeah, I, I've I've said my piece on this show both in writing and last podcast, um, where I kind of like my gripes with it, and it's nothing nearly as like egregious or upsetting as my gripes with say Kobayashi. But the thing is, it just hadn't in the first three episodes hadn't done anything actually interesting to grip me and keep me around. So I just dropped it because I'm like, this show feels so safe and boring that like nothing truly interesting will like keep me here but there's enough like annoying to make me roll my eyes that i'm just gonna give up on it and now it sounds like you know ooh, things are spicy things are happening in was this episode five or six that most recently aired oh i don't know actually <laughs> yeah something like that i because i know i watched three but the first episode was like double length um yeah but kind of what I said about it being like so safe, it's like it really is a crowd pleaser. It's like oftentimes the best performing shows, like the highest placements, aren't the ones that anyone necessarily loves, like they're number one, but it's the shows that everybody at least kind of likes. I agree with that sentiment, actually. Because we don't use a scoring system. Yeah. We use a simple, you know, binary voting system. So it's like, are you watching this and enjoying this? Yes or no. And so most people are watching this and enjoying it to some level. Therefore, it's going to place high. Though in a scoring system, if I were to look at other databases, I don't believe it's as high as some other shows. No, no, no. And I, I, it's still exactly the same as you said, Mehdi. It's, it's still extremely generic and extremely predictable. And I actually do think this is a good comparison with Aquatope because I have said Aquatope is also predictable. But there are subtleties in Aquatope's relationships, their characters, and their uh, visual storytelling that I really, really appreciate and adore, that remake Our Life has none of that. And so, and that, and those subtleties and nuance, I think, is what builds into the magic of Aquatope, because Aquatope is also one of my favorites of the season. But remake Our Life is predictability on its paper with nothing else to boost for it. Aside from maybe that particular kiss that made it shoot up four spots. That was genuinely a surprise. But other than that, there's nothing else going for it, in my opinion. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm glad to hear the the kiss um, where that thing you know, went well. I mean, the reason I picked up the show in the first place was um, through, like, personal interest in some of the voice casts and even like um opening and ending music artists mm -hmm. so yeah I'm glad um you know I, I always thought there was something to it just not enough to really convince me yeah and and i just checked on both like annie list and my anime list it, it is at like a solid um well for score annie list shows me a percentage at like 75 and mal it's like at a 7.8 or so i am not surprised like i would personally score it lower than that because i think it is so extremely like average that, yeah you know it's middle of the road mm -hmm. whereas yeah, the whole conversation about how we treat seven as average instead of five yada yada but um it makes sense that it's not like an eight or nine to most people 
but just the same. I would seven also score it lower as well. I think, I think there's bias on the viewers because they. Oh, it's like you said, the the topics they're exploring are stuff they're interested in. Like, how do you make video games? You know, how do you get started into yeah. making video games or filming or script writing or singing? You know, sort of thing. And I, and a lot well, of people I- <laughs> really wish to pursue that personally. And so sort of watching it happen is very fun and you kind of live vicariously through it as well. But but objectively, just taking a step back and looking at the structure of the story, the character development and how and the anime visuals and how it contributes to it. It's just so average that I like I get it if I get it if it's in the top 10. But I personally would literally put it in the middle ground. Definitely not above Miss Kobayashi's uh, Dragon Maid. And from the sound of it, not above um, Slime as well. So I mean, I wouldn't put it above Aquatope. Oh, yeah. Or even Sonny Boy. But, you know, (laughs) I I will not hesitate to call this, you know, the final form of self-insert wish fulfillment. (laughs) Even more than um, Rental Girlfriend. But that's a show that I loathed loathed not loved (laughs) whereas this is a show i'm just very lukewarm towards Mm -hmm. so you know um don't flame me for not loving it i don't dislike it and you are okay for loving for liking it you can like what you want my opinions do not matter but uh my opinions are validated sometimes because we're moving on to the number one in our charts uh, which also shot up four spots. For, I also um, know why. I know why. Literally the same reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Same reason. laughs> uh, light novel title time. My next life as a villainous. All routes lead to doom. X. Go ahead, Gracie. Tell him. Oh, it's because Giordo kissed her not only once but twice and did a full-on confession of because I love you. Yeah, that's it. That's all it took. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And the rest of the cast gets outraged and <laughs> has to protect her. Oh boy. Um, we, we've we've said a lot about villainous not just this year but last year, and it's still just really good. I mean, I need it to go on longer before I can say the same thing as I did for slime or like it keeps getting better. How does it do that? But so far it is just maintaining the great thing it had going season one. And I guess it is, you know, it's, it is expanding. We're getting more characters and that whole plot is, um, being fleshed out more now that Giordo made his move. So yeah, I have really high hopes for season two to just keep building. Who are these romance people? They're all just hopeless romantics at the second there's any I'm telling you, this, and I'm specifically saying this season because I have noticed, like, fluctuations in, um, in the way people vote, you know, for each season, depending on the selection of anime. But this season, clearly people are preferring romance because both anime that featured a kiss shot up insanely. And even the Duke of Death and his maid for it to debut as number seven is also because of the romance. So, <laughs> look, y'all. Uh, what? What? One of you is in a happy, committed relationship. The other of you is not interested in a, re- a romantic relationship. I don't believe. No, no, uh, I am. Say... I am. I'm just. So I, I'm not a romantic, but I'm ace. <laughs> I, I'm not the culprit, but okay, fair fair clarification, Gracie. My apologies for no, <laughs> misjudging. No, you're fine, you're fine. <laughs> um, but uh, COVID and like lockdown 
has made us very lonely, okay? <laughs> That's all I gotta say. Report, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> no, if, if, I, if I'm being, like, completely transparent, I'm actually, like, chilling and, like, not that, like, you know, oh, what was me lonely, like, since pandemic or anything. But I do think a lot of people out there are a little starved for human connection, especially of that kind. I, I don't know how to respond I mean, to this. This is this I is mean, way heavier I, than I'm like mentally prepared to deal with. I'm I'm still like trying to deal with the um Uramichi san like sensei. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's Uramichi on san is pretty like I so so fun fact, I my work week is actually not a Monday through Friday, but a Tuesday through Saturday and Uramichi Onisan comes out on Monday is my time zone. So I usually watch it on a Monday, which is like the second day of my weekend. And it always just puts me in a mood about like <laughs> what I'm doing with not only my day off, but my life. <laughs> Damn, am I not allowed to make things heavy? Do I have to be the comic relief all the time? No, no, no. no, no you can no, be I heavy. Don't... It's just... <laughs> I just I don't have... But then you guys have to lighten the mood. Well, I don't... I'm not a comedic sort of person, though. It, it almost like like how do I describe it? It felt like we were like, oh boy, it's number one. It's like ta da, and then it's like the announcer is just like, yeah, this isn't gonna fill the void in my heart though, and you're just like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> like well, like not, as the confetti's coming down and everything. I don't want to add anything more to villainous because I might just rant about Mary again, and I don't want to rant about Mary because that will just take up too much time. So. <laughs> As Three Dog Knight once said, one is the loneliest number. But um, I'll, I'll, I'll rant about Mary. I love Mary. She's my favorite girl in the show. No, don't say that because I'm going to want to argue with you and I really don't want to argue. <laughs> so. You don't want to because you're wrong. That's okay. We all have our opinions. Uh, no, that is not the situation. It's literally, I just cannot stand her. I actually, you know what's insane is... I was more okay with her in the first season, but this second season has made me properly dislike her. Like I, it was, it was, she went from just least favorite to genuinely, I don't want to see you get out of the way. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing some important research. Um, wow. So Mary is not even in the top 25 female characters on our charts. Can we fix that, Mary Gang? No. Let's get on it. No. <laughs> no, leave her where <laughs> she is. <laughs> okay, well, I am happy to see that Shion from uh, Slime is number 10. And I, ca I can take my wins where I got them. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a pleasant night. Um, We didn't say too much specific about Villainous, but, like, it's it's very good. We have hardly much to add on that. Like, it's number one. Clearly, you guys get it and are enjoying it. Mm -hmm. yeah rightfully so yeah definitely earned its spot from there um the question is if if you can see it holding it or if you think it's basically a spike because of the the romantic um aspect that's a very good question i think it has the potential to keep holding because of the like big name sequels it's pretty much it kobayashi and slime but now we're already seeing some originals are fighting for the top spots alongside the mm -hmm. sequels. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the polls develop. Yeah, and that was um, the things that, like, Clark mentioned that, like, the season, like, it, it, if it feels like it's a little sh light this season, that's probably because it kind of is. Um, 
and yeah. that, that again that was like from a production standpoint, it's a much needed break. It's, it's a break from summer, which is usually weaker, but also um, the Olympics this year was kind of like the the bigger exception because it's like most of the primetime slots that would be part of the shows um, is not the case. So there's kind of a kind of mix. And then we didn't really talk about B Stars, but that's been on Netflix, and that finally got out of Netflix jail. Um, funnily enough, that one I liked a lot. I mean, that was like one of the ones where. I think if it was week to week, it would be really strong, but then kind of might fizzle out towards the end, um, just from my personal experience from that show. But I, I think that the rest of the chart is actually pretty accurate from the rest of the season. I don't think the only major one is like, where does Sunny Boy go? Like, because I think more people are kind of trying to just figure out what the heck this show is about. Like, and then I know that the the recent one, um, The Great Jahi Will Not Be Defeated. That one is definitely climbing up as we go. It finally debuted, I think, a little bit later than the other shows. But that one I could easily see breaking top 10 and probably being the the one that's going to probably boot Detective out finally. Like, I, th- I think Detective's going to go out. By the- is it? Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah, it shot up 18 spots into 12. It, yeah, it literally was like, it's that same trope of like, what is it? The one from nagatoro where it's like the the tan girl it's like that same like feeling of like oh my gosh it's the tan it's the tan yeah the when i saw a picture i was like is this not nagatoro mm-hmm. <laughs> i think the only other one that i think that we have as our, our notable thing that that don't have time to talk about but liked it was kageki shoujo um but i i never see this one breaking top 10 i think this one is pretty much like I'd call it like a C plus. It, it, it for has me. its niche. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, I like the niche. I think it has it. its niche, and, and I I expect it to fall squarely into that niche. Mm-hmm. But the first episode didn't like totally grab me, even though it was solid. Most people agree that. But then I heard it had some pitfalls in the following episodes, and so I decided not to pursue. Yeah, it, it just makes me really want to watch like Utna and, and shows like inspired like Utna. So it's kind of like. It's just that like alarm clock in my head that's just like, man, there's some really good shoujos out there. I don't know if Kageki shoujo is one of <laughs> <I'm>, them, but... <laughs> I am literally an angel and devil on both of your shoulders. I know. Just whispering two words. <laughs> just, just just flip the order of shoujo and Kageki and <laughs> add two more words right after. Y'all know the one. Gracie, um, I know if we talk about Kageki shoujo, we will hold a whole nother long podcast with you but are there other shows you want to give quick mention to before we wrap up no i think it's enough and also we're hitting like 51 minutes on top of another 30 minutes (laughs) (laughs) it's a long one thanks for sticking around and listening um the only other show this season that i am watching is uh number 35 on our charts (laughs) d-side thromerai the animation um it has been rather deserving of that low placement so far. It's not the best. I think it has um, above average 3D animation. That's the main thing to give to its credit. Um, the like story and specifically the episodic topics it tries to cover, it's biting off more than it can chew. And it's kind of dipping into some like, almost offensive and upsetting territory, like, kind of the way Wonder Egg went wrong, except this never got nearly as good as Wonder Egg, so, like, it has no business <laughs> making those gambles, I guess. But, yeah, that's that. 
most of the shows I'm watching this season I like and are in the top 11 of our charts. So that's good news. With all that said, um, my name is Mehdi. Thanks for listening. Yep, this is Gracie, and hope you guys will be with us next week. Or not next week, but the next episode. <laughs> next episode, be it next week or in two months. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this has been Mika. This has been a pleasure, and excited seeing some of the top ten that I need to go and finally watch and not get exposed on. But... <laughs> All right, we'll see you next time, and have a good night, afternoon, morning, uh, week. Have a good one. Thank you. Goodbye.